Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Out of sight, out of mind. That is a uh, statement that we often use about forgetfulness, but I also want to submit to you this morning that that statement is also, or could be, a very severe spiritual condition, a dangerous spiritual condition. Growing up, I I used to hear this statement a lot. I don't hear it as much anymore, but let me see if maybe some of you kind of heard what I heard when I was growing up. I heard this statement. Did you hear this about church people, this statement right here? We're so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good, right? I am convinced that in this day and age, we have allowed ourselves to swing to the opposite end of the spectrum until now we have become so consumed by earthly things or by, by earthly things that we, we pay no attention to heavenly things. We don't even know that there's anything going on. So now what's taken place is we no longer, and, and pr- probably in a healthy way to some extent, we no longer see demons behind every bush. You remember when everything was the devil's fault, even the stuff we did? ourselves. Yeah, the devil made me do it. No, you did it on your own. The devil didn't have nothing to do with it, right? So we'd see demons behind every bush, or here was the other one. Every hitchhiker was an angel, remember? So now what's taking place is we have uh, walked away from that extreme to now I'm concerned that what's taking place is now we only believe or think about or trust what we can see, what we can touch, what we can smell, uh, or what we can uh, 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 taste. It's like we've swung completely to the opposite end of the spectrum. So my question then is this. What if there's another dimension? What if there's unseen activity that we have so uh, lost sight of that now we live our lives as if it doesn't exist? What if there is a, another dimension out there? I want to assert to you this morning a truth that we need to recapture. Here it is in a nutshell, the whole thrust of this series for the next three weeks. We're going to talk today and two more weeks. We're going to talk about this. This is a, a truth, a fact that we need to embrace again as believers. And that is this. Just because it's unseen, it does not mean that it's unreal. Unseen doesn't mean unreal. So, so there's this other dimension. We need to reaffirm and embrace this truth. And we should know that it's true. We should know that there's another realm. We should know that there's uh, this activity going on around us. Because uh, all we have to do is read Scripture. Did you know that from Genesis to Revelation, that if you read carefully, what you discover is that uh, there are at least 300 encounters detailed where the main characters encounter uh, either angels or spiritual forces outside our dimension. 300 separate encounters. Then I started thinking about it. I started going through the list. I was like, um, all the main characters that we talk about on, uh, in uh, growing up, we'd see them on flannel board. Some of y'all don't know what flannel board is. Now on video, all these main characters that are, we, we spend our time growing up and learning about in the Bible. I started thinking about them. Here are a few that I thought of that had encounters with a third dimension, with something outside of what we can, can naturally think about, uh, supernatural encounters. Here are just some of the ones I thought about. Adam and Eve, uh, Abraham, Lot, Jacob, Daniel, 
Mary and Joseph, Peter, John, Philip, Jesus. So then I started thinking about it. Maybe, maybe if you really go back and start looking, maybe it's, I'm not sure it's 100%, but it's pretty close. All the characters that we talk about had some encounter with this third dimension. And yet what we've done is we've dismissed it as if it's not real. We should know that it's uh, true that the unseen doesn't mean that it's unreal because uh, Scripture very explicitly tells us that there's another dimension. In in Ephesians chapter 6, the writer says this to us. He says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Okay, stop for just a moment. If we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but he's saying we are fighting, then there's got to be another foe out there. There's got to be somebody else that we're fighting. And so then he tells us, he says, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He says it right there. There's this unseen world that we Sometimes forget about. Then the writer implores us. He's, he's saying not, not only does he want us to recognize the unseen. But he wants, to, he wants us to go one step further and interact with the unseen. He wants us to combat the unseen. And later if you read on down in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. He also says that he wants you to partner with the Holy Spirit. In another dimension praying for Uh, your needs and for other people. There's this spiritual interaction, this third dimension that he wants us to encounter. So I want to strongly reassert the truth this morning and, and I want you to understand that there is a reality that we don't know about, that we don't, we're not as aware of as that we should be, as we should be. Because if, if we don't understand that truth, if we don't embrace that reality, that there's an unseen world and there's constant activity going around us uh, in, in, in this realm that we, then what happens is if we don't embrace that truth, then we live as if that realm doesn't exist and that's dangerous our our tendency is this our attention our attention gets focused into the natural and when we when uh when we focus all of our attention on the uh, natural then we pay no attention to the supernatural going on around us the natural fights for our focus and simply uh we if we become completely and entirely focused on the natural realm then we are set up for defeat we 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 got to have We've got to come back to this place where we don't look for demons behind every bush and not every hitchhiker is an angel. But we are aware and we are tuned in to the fact that there is a spiritual existence, a realm going on around us. And we must become aware of the enemies that are fighting against us in the supernatural. And we must become aware of the the forces that are fighting for us in the supernatural. If we don't do that, then we will struggle. So what I want to do is this morning, I want to talk to you about what happens, what, what are the, what are the, uh, the um, fallout, the ramifications of not being able to see into the, the, next, the other world, the, the, the 3D realm that we, we have become so unfamiliar with. And then next week, I want to come back and look at what the, the benefits are of being able to see.
All right? So, so this morning I want you to join me in this passage. This is where we're going to spend our time the next two weeks, uh, today and next week, uh, in this account because it illustrates for us these things. So join me in 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read verses 13 through 23. Listen to what it says. Uh, now we're talking about Elisha. So you're going to wonder who the he is when this starts, but just hang in there. It says, go, go find out where he is. The king ordered. Now he's looking for Elisha. So I can send men and capture him. And the the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. And they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he he looked out, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And they entered the city. Uh, and they entered the city. And Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked down. And there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? And shall I kill them? Do not kill them, and he answered. Would you kill those you have, who you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. We have to be able to see. If we are unable to see, there are some things that happen to us that I want to mention to you. The first thing I want to say to you is this, is we must see the unseen because if we don't, surrounded can lead to surrender. I want to say that again. Listen, I want you to listen carefully this morning. Surrounded can lead us to surrender. I want you to notice what happens. Elisha's servant awakes and he goes outside and he looks up. And because of what he sees in the natural and because of what he does not see in the third dimension in this other world, because he lacks the ability to see, he is ready to surrender. Hey, Elisha, would you please wake up and come out here and look? Because all around us, everywhere I can see, there are armies and there are chariots and there are horses and there are soldiers. And we are doomed. So let's, let's get a white flag and send it up the flagpole and quit right now. Let's just surrender right now because we are entirely, completely surrounded. So I want to surrender. That's what happens. I wonder how many of us today, because of what we can see... And because of what we cannot see, have come to this place where we are ready to throw in the towel and surrender. Because we lack the ability and we have not uh, sharpened the, the, our, 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 our ability to discern and to recognize and to get glimpses into this other dimension, then because of our lack of sight, 
we have this tendency to feel surrounded. And so we want to quit. Sickness closes in on every side. Hopelessness tightens its grip. Uh, loneliness is becoming more restrictive. Lack begins to loom. And, and, and this impossible has, has, has us imprisoned. And we're surrounded. And we're encompassed. And we're enclosed. And it's hard, it's hard to, to breathe. And it's harder to believe. And we come to this place where we go, the only thing I can see is everything that's crushing me. These bills are crushing me. This craziness is crushing me. My family's crushing me. My, my sickness is crushing me. I see no way out and I can only see what's happening in the natural. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to quit. I'm going to give up. I'm going to throw in the towel. It's over. I give in. I surrender. But this morning I just want to encourage you that you need to open your eyes. You need to see into the unseen because if you can see under the into the unseen, what you soon discover is this truth out of this passage, and that is this what is surrounding you is surrounded. You need to understand that all of these pressures and all of these things that are crushing in on you, it may look like they're about to overtake you and you don't know where to turn. But in the, the other realm that you don't have the ability to always see in, you need to understand that there is the, these forces from our Father, we sing about it, he's, he's good to us. He's a good Father. He surrounds what surrounds us. If we could just see those for us are more than those who are against us. We have forgotten the truth of Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Which says this. If God is for us. Then who? Who can be against us? Come on. Somebody get this this morning. If God, We've forgotten the truth. So that now the natural becomes the only thing we see. And the forces are, are, are so great. That we, we want to give up. And we forget that Romans has already taught us. That although they may be strong. And although they may be vicious. The truth is, is that if God is for us. Then who? You fill in the who. Then blank. Who can be against us? Fill it in. Who can come against us? Who's stronger than our God? Who's mightier than our God? Who has more strength than our God? Who has more resources than our God? Who has more healing than our God? If He surrounds what surrounds us, then we can hang on. We can hold on. See, that what takes place next is, is this, is that if we can't see, not only will we, we fail to recognize that uh, what surrounded us is surrounded, if we can't see, then our failure to focus can lead us to fear. I, go back to the story. Elisha's servant wakes up and he looks out and because he cannot see into the unseen, he, he goes, he, he makes this, he asks this question to Elisha. Hey bud, what shall we do? I know it reads funny because if I was surrounded by an army with like bazookas and, 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 and grenades and machine guns, I wouldn't go, hey man, what are we going to do? I'd go, hey, what in the world? Hey, he's freaking out. It's too, it's, we, it's too docile in, in script. I, I think he's freaking out. I think like he's, he's scared, shaken, doesn't know what to do. He's, what shall we do? He, he recognizes that they are boxed in. And so it leads him to panic and fret and ultimately to fear. So does he sound like us? These bills are going to bankrupt me. What am I going to do? These doubters are right. 
This pain is surely permanent. What am I going to do? My teenagers are driving me crazy. What am I going to do? My grown kids are, are, are about to cause me to lose my mind. My job is causing me to fret and to worry. And if we're not careful, our natural uh, focus causes us to miss the supernatural and we begin to fear. Elisha stops and he says, hang on just a minute, bro. Don't. Don't. Don't freak out. There's a bunch of ways we could say that. I was trying to think of some ways I could say it where I wouldn't offend you. But uh, hang on just a moment. Then he does this. He says, just wait. Don't freak out. Now let's, let me do this. Pray. And he stops long enough to pray. And he asks God. He says, God, open up his eyes. Sometimes... If we would learn that you've got to close your eyes to have them opened. To stop long enough and to go back and to pray so that our eyes are opened up so that we don't let fear win. That's what I want us to do today. That's what we're going to do at the end of service here in just a few moments. We're going to stop and we're going to pray and we're going to say, God, open my eyes. Let me see past all this stuff that's about to drive me nuts. Let me see past all the pain. Let me see past all the disappointment. Let me see past the craziness. Let me see past the impossibilities. Let me see into the other realm to recognize that I don't have to be afraid because you got me. I think maybe this morning that if, if we're not careful, we become surrounded by fear because we don't see. And we have forgotten the truth of Psalm chapter 91. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Psalm 91. I want you this, this week, every time that you're about to freak out, every time that you're ready just to go nuts, every time somebody's about to, to cause you to panic, I want you to open up your phone or open up your Bible, uh, your, your, your actual Bible, and read Psalm 91. But I want you to read it differently. I want you to read it as a word to you. Listen to what he says. You who sit down in, in high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow, say this. Listen, here's his, here's his instructions. Say this. God, you're my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. Come on now. He's saying every time you're about ready to freak out and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills and I don't know how I'm going to make it through and I don't know how I'm going to get well and I don't know how, how, how all this is going to work out. I'm supposed, his instructions are this. We begin to talk to ourselves and we say, God is my refuge. I trust in you and I'm safe. Yes. Come on, someone, somebody say that. See the disease, but say to the disease, I'm safe. I trust God. See, see the debt, but you say to the debt, I'm safe. I put my trust in God. See the challenge, but you speak to it and say, I'm safe. I put my trust in God. And we begin to talk about God to ourselves. Then he goes on and he says this. He says, that's right. He rescues you from hidden traps. Shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all the harm. Listen to what he says. Fear nothing. This is in the Old Testament, so it's in Hebrew. Uh, it's kind of like the Greek word for all in the New Testament that we've talked about on multiple occasions. Nothing means Nothing. Not a stinking thing. Fear nothing. He says, don't fear wild wolves in the night. 
nor flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at noon, even though others succumb all around you, drop like flies right and left, no harm will even graze you. You'll stand untouched. Watch it all all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because God's your refuge. The high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm can't get through the door. Now listen, here's the other other realm that we forget about. We've forgotten about all this. In Psalm 91, he makes a promise to us that we need to recapture and understand. If we're going to live in the 3D world, we need to understand. Here it is. He gives or he orders orders his angels to guard your door. He gives you, he's ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions and snakes and kick young lions and serpents from the path. We need to go back and capture, recapture the promise of Psalm 91 because we live in a fear-filled world. We live in a, in a world that things are trying to scare us to do into, into apathy and scare us into freaking out and scare us into putting our trust in other things and trying to do that. Listen, just recognize that he's given his his armies of angels charge over you. There are angels all around you and they're not just watching you. They're fighting for you. They're protecting you. They're watching your walk. They're watching your footsteps. They're guiding you. They're helping you. We need to go back and recapture that truth. You're not living life on your own. You don't have to be afraid. Uh, Julie posted something on her Facebook this week that uh, I think ties in. It's a quote from Elizabeth Elliot who said, Fear arises when we imagine everything depends on us. So we become afraid. But then that's that's the second thing that happens is when we become afraid... When fear overtakes us, when we, when we refuse to recognize that there's this unseen world and we begin to freak out and we become afraid, then that's the, that, that's the natural progression because when the, we have a failure to focus, then, then that leads us to flesh. When, when we don't see in this other realm and we're not aware that God is on our side and we don't recognize that he's put angels in charge of us, then we begin to, to trust Flesh. Elisha's servant looks out and he, uh, he, he doesn't have any ability to see into the supernatural. And he, and he asks this question. He says, what shall we do? If I was Elisha, this is my response. This would have been my response. I'd say, we? You got a mouse in your pocket? Because we ain't doing nothing. We're not going to do anything. All we're going to do is we're going to do two things. We're going to pray and we're going to look again. So we're not going to do nothing. You don't have any sword big enough. You don't have an army in response big enough. In your own power, your own strength, you can't do diddly squat. So, So we aren't going to do nothing. And this morning I want to remind you that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. I want to to remind you this this morning 
that one of the truths that we need to come back to is that it is not by might nor by power but it is by his spirit says the Lord of hosts in other words every time we discover that we are surrounded and we begin to freak out our natural inclination is we want to take matters into our own hands we begin to rely on flesh I'll fight my own way out of this I'll find my own solution I'll find my own escape route and Elisha's like man would you just stop don't, you don't have to do nothing you don't have to worry all we're going to do is stand here and see that what is surrounding us is surrounded by him and that if he's for us nobody can be against us so we're just going to sit here and relax that is not natural can I tell and it, I, I can't get any witnesses in the room that is not natural when things aren't going the way we wanted them to go and when things are crushing us and surrounding us it is not natural to do this stand still and see the salvation of our God instead what we want to do is we want to do our own thing we cannot allow our lack of sight to cause us to take matters into our own hands we have to see God so we will let God We have to open our eyes. We have to let God rescue. God is in the business of rescuing. Our problem is, is that some of us never leave any room for God. So as soon as we feel surrounded, we start doing it on our own, man. If I'm surrounded by debt, man, I'll get another card. And then we wake up six months later and we discover now we're doubly surrounded. Our idea was stupid. Only me? Only only me. I'm the only one in here that's ever felt surrounded. Made a decision trying to get myself out of being surrounded and discovered I was pretty stupid. That now instead of one army surrounding me, I got two. Right? Anybody else experience that? What what I've discovered is, is if I would just stand still and take him at his word and open my eyes I will recognize that if I leave room for him to work he always does but why would he work if you're trying to outwork okay okay so this is why it is so important then that when Elisha's servant could not see he had Elisha to help him see now this sounds like a contradiction a contradiction of what I've just said but it's not because I've just said that when you're surrounded if you're not careful you will turn to flesh notice the contradiction you can't rely on flesh but you need people who have fine tuned their ability to see what you can't see I don't know about you but I've discovered in my own life that I have blind spots and I gotta have people in my life that can see what I can't see because if I don't have people to see what I can't see then I will make stupid decisions and I'll get myself in further trouble some of us keep getting ourselves in dumb places surrounded places painful places simply because we won't let anybody come into our life and see what we can't see so the servant had somebody he could turn to and he turns to to Elisha and he and he says what are we going to do and he says just be still don't move don't use the card 
Don't post. Don't, don't fight back. Don't respond. Don't freak. Just stand still and watch. We need folks that will help us see that our surrounders are surrounded. Because I've also learned this, when you're surrounded, it's hard to see. Because all you see is what's right there in front of you and it's freaking you out. So you got to have spiritual brothers and sisters in your life that have this ability to focus beyond what your focus is on and say to you, hey, bro, I know you're, you're under it right now and I know you want to give up right now, but just hang on because I, I, I don't know what you're seeing, but what I'm seeing is I'm seeing God at work for you. And, and, and if you would just adjust your, your view and look up a little bit and get your head from being beat down, and I know you've been beat down, but for just a moment, could you just look and recognize that in the background, God has been pulling the strings and God's been orchestrating and God's been working and he's not against you. He's not fighting against you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgot you. He's just hanging out in the distance waiting until you become desperate enough and patient enough and rely on him enough that, that if you'll just hang on, he's on his way. Yeah. Yeah. And he's given his angels charge over you. And I don't know about you, but I need people like that in my life because I have this really bad tendency that I can only see what I see. And I'm distracted, I'm distracted by details. Like that, that, that Kleenex box is turned the wrong way. But I need somebody that can come along and see beyond. And the good news this morning is that all around you, sitting around you right now are people that God has positioned and placed in this congregation and in your life to try to help you to see beyond what you see. Because I only see the debt and I only see the pain and I only see the sickness and I only see the turmoil and I only see the problem and I only see the challenge and I only see. And and we've got to have these people that we come to church with on Sundays and that we do life with and they go, just hang on, look up there, bro. You missed it. Did you see it? I know you just went through something. Did you? You see it though? Do you see him? He's right there. He's right behind it. I know what's around you is big, but 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 listen, around them is bigger. And so there's a God is coming. He, he's setting you up for a blessing. I know it feels like a setback, but he's setting you up for a blessing. Just hang on. If we ever would rely on, on flesh like that instead of relying on our own flesh, we would be able to see. So this morning, my prayer is simply this. I I would venture to guess that there are some folks in this room that feel surrounded that life has come around you with unforeseen, unexpected undesired circumstances and the forces seem to have gathered And everywhere you turn and everywhere you look, defeat. And everywhere you look, there's dismay. And everywhere I look, there's no way out. I'm completely and totally surrounded. And you came into service this morning ready to do this. Throw your hands up and surrender and quit. You came into service this morning scared. 
You came in this morning ready to do your own thing, trying to find a way out. And I think maybe God sent us together on a very cold morning to remind us that we are surrounded. But in a whole different realm. And what has surrounded us and confused us and hurt us and caused us pain in the natural is completely enveloped and encompassed by the forces of God. And all we have to do is say, I trust God. I am safe in Him. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray this morning that as we do what Elisha said to do, we stop and we pray and we open our eyes. I pray that this morning together, collectively and individually as well, you would help us to see better than we saw when we first got here. Father, I pray that as we hesitate and pause for a moment, that you would open our eyes. Open our eyes. All week long, Father, all we've seen are the things that are gathered, the forces that are gathered against us. But this morning, I pray that you would enable us to come to this moment where we open our eyes and are able to see what surrounds our surrounders. May we put our trust in you again, oh God. So that we see victory. I ask you to accomplish this in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, before we get started this morning, would you do me a huge favor and give our tech team a big hand this morning? They've been scrambling. Apparently, we got hit by lightning this week and didn't know it, so <laughs> we found out this morning when we got here. So, uh, I, re- I, rec- I recently read this statement about loss of sight. I was just kind of uh, doing a little research on sight uh, and, and uh, read this statement, and, and I'm going to read it just as it was written. It says, vision problems may sing- signal serious health conditions, and they can increase your risk for injury or death. All right, I asserted last week that uh, we uh, have swung to a different side of the spectrum for most of us to where now we pay so little attention to what's going on in the spiritual realm around us 
that we struggle to see. I think it's a knee-jerk response. I think it's in response to this, uh, at least when I grew up, we saw demons behind every bush and every hitchhiker was an angel, right? And so we've had this knee-jerk response and now we swing to this opposite end and we struggle to see into the spiritual realm. But what is true in the natural is also true in the supernatural. And if you lose the ability to see, if you have vision problems, just like in the natural, it can lead to uh, serious condi health conditions and maybe increase your risk for injury. May I submit to you this morning that what's true there is also true spiritually. If you cannot see spiritually, then you most likely are at risk for injury. And you will suffer from spiritual health conditions. And so we need to be able to see. That's what this series is all about. We need to be able to see. We need to be able to discern so that we can properly defend ourselves and make good choices in life. And so I'm going to assert it again. I made this statement last week. I want to make the same statement to you again this week until it gets down into our spirit and we understand it. And that is this. Just because it's unseen does not mean that it's not real. So I told you last week that from Genesis to Revelation that there are at least 300 encounters detailed, very detailed, where the main characters in the story had spiritual encounters with th this other realm. And I named some of them. I won't do that this morning. But I want us to, to stop and think that if it was that obvious in Scripture, then I want to ask you a question this morning. If that was taking place, then why would we think that we are exempt from having spiritual encounters just as well? If it happened on that frequent of occasion over 300 times, then why would we all come to the conclusion that there are not these, these powers and these presence uh, of these, these, these beings happening around us and we're just blind to it? We need to be able to see. The writer of Ephesians made sure to, to, to talk about this unseen world. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Then it goes on and it talks about praying in the Spirit. So there are these two entities warring against one another, active and involved in our lives behind the scenes, and we need to be aware. I read to you last week from an account that I want to go back into. Um, last week we dealt with this account and we talked about what happens when you cannot see. This week I want us to go back and look at the same account, and I want us to take a different angle on it and look and see what happens when you are sighted, when you have the ability to see the unseen, what takes place, what are the benefits of that. So join me, if you will, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 13. We're going to read down through verse 23, and you can follow along on the screen. Uh, thank the Lord. And uh, so, uh, so here we go. So go find out where he is. This is the uh, king asking where Elisha is. He says, go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and they surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? He's freaking out. And then Elisha answers, Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. 
Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, This is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And then the Lord opened their eyes, and they looked, and then they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. And one version says, from that day forward. So why do we need to... We are fleshly beings. We, we recognize that there are three parts to us, soul, spirit, body. But, but we, we seem to only, for the most part, be very uh, cognizant or aware of the, the fleshly realm. So why is it so important? If, if, if God gave me five senses, why should I move beyond those five senses and be able to see why is it so important? A couple reasons I want to say to you this morning that are so important. I want you to understand that it is important to see the unseen, because when you can see, then there's no panic. There's a plan. I want you to go back, and I, I know I said it last week, but I want you to look at it. The servant was so blind to the supernatural that he panics. He freaks out, and he turns to Elisha. He, he goes, I guess he wakes up. Maybe Elisha wasn't an early riser. Maybe Elisha liked to sleep in. Maybe he didn't realize that we, he was supposed to spring forward, so he's still in bed thinking he's still got time to get to church. And all of a sudden, the servant runs in and shakes him and says, Elisha, we're surrounded. He's freaking out. Come on. But Elisha, because Elisha can see, there's no panic. And not only is there no panic, Elisha recognizes that there's a plan. I, it's interesting to me that Elisha's ability to see into the supernatural resulted in him being the calm, cool, collected kind of guy that we all admire. Like all the forces are arrayed against him, and he just walks out and goes, big deal. He just blows it off because he knew there was a plan. I want to ask you this morning, do you remember the fact that there is a plan? God has a plan for you. In fact, we know it. We quote it. This is our problem. We can quote stuff we don't actually believe. We quote Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. There it is. He's got a plan. Whoop, whoop, bing, 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 bing. McFly, anybody home? He's got a plan. Then he tells us what the plan is. He says the, the, to, to plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. If what you're facing right now is going to destroy you, then you wouldn't have a future. So we forget the plan. Listen, if we are able to see into the unseen, we would recognize that we do not have to panic because there's a plan. Yes. I want to ask you a question this morning. What, what did God say to you about you? 
What promises has God made into your life? Maybe it happened at a youth camp. Maybe it happened at an altar. Maybe it was in some service. Maybe it was in the privacy of your own bedroom. But at some moment, God intervened in your life and spoke in your life and said something to you, and he gave you a plan. What plans has he given you? Because, see, if we can see, then we recognize that even though our life at this moment may be painful, Even though our life at this moment, we may be facing the unexpected and the unwanted situations. Even when the path seems to be rocky, we understand that what we're going through is nothing more than an avenue we're going down as part of the plan. So we don't freak out. We don't don't worry when we recognize that our steps are ordered. See, again, we quote that. That's one of my favorite verses in Scripture. Anybody else? The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. I like that because then, then I at least say it out of my mouth that he's ordering my steps. The only problem is, is that when my steps take me somewhere I don't really enjoy, when I, said, when I feel like God said go there and I go there, and then all I discover is pain and agony or maybe it's uncomfortable or inconvenient, and then I go, well, what in the world, God? I thought you were ordering my steps. We know how to quote it, but then we get nervous because we don't see. If we would recognize that what we are facing is nothing more than part of the plan, then we would understand that even when our steps lead us to impossible circumstances, then we would simply relax and trust the plan. The people I see that panic are the people that never see the plan. Open your eyes to his plan for your life again. What did he say? What did he promise? What did he say was going to happen for you? Because if you can see, here, catch this. If you can see, you won't scare. That, That means when you go into the doctor's office and you get a terrible report, if you can see... That he said, listen, you, you're going to live and you're not going to die so that you can proclaim the goodness of our God. Then you can, if you can see, you, you may hear bad stuff, but it won't scare you. Well, if you would understand that he's Jehovah Jireh, I know he's, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Then I know he's got a plan for me. So then when my employer says you're fired and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, you don't freak out. You go, oh, there's, there's got to be a plan so I can rest in the plan. Remember uh, this occasion in the New Testament. The Bible says that Jesus came to the disciples and he said, Hey, let's get in the boat and do what? 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 Go to the other side, right? But then they have a storm and they freak out. Why? Because they didn't see the plan. Jesus has already prophesied to them, hey, we're going to the other side. He had already made a promise. We're not going to just go halfway and drown. We're not just going to let you get halfway victory, halfway to blessing, halfway to miracles. We're going all the way to the other side, but halfway they have a storm and they freak out. If we would just remember that he didn't call us just to take us halfway, there is a plan. There is a plan. There is a plan. Open your eyes. There is a plan. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, there's a plan. He's got a plan for you. He's not going to let you die. He's not going to let you go under. There's a plan. There's a plan. When you see, you won't be scared of what he said. You will survive. I'm going to say that one more time, then I'm going to move on. When you can see, you will not be scared of what he said that you can survive. 
He's here for you. Number two, when you can see, you will not settle for temporary solutions, but you will press for permanent victory. Okay, I got a lot of amens right there, but I want to tell you, I'm, I'm concerned because we don't always live like this. Let me see if I can show you. In, in this account, what takes place is the, the servant goes and wakes Elisha up, brings him outside and says, hey, we're surrounded. Elisha says, no big deal. We're, look again. And all around the other army, there's this unseen army that the servant never recognized, but now he can finally see it. There's angels everywhere, chariots of fire. I mean, they have called secret service and special forces, and they have surrounded all the enemies of Elisha, right? Do you know at that very moment right there that Elisha had a decision to make? He did. Because I want you to understand that if, there, if, if the armies of God are arrayed around and assembled around the enemies of Elisha, uh, then that also means, I don't know, I, I just read forward a little bit, it seems like every, th every time that Elisha asked God to do something, he did it. So I, I need to make a logical jump then. If that's the way that Elisha and God work together, then couldn't Elisha say, look, see all these armies of angels surrounding our enemies? Then I'm just going to give the command right now, and these angels are going to come down and wipe this army out. I can make that logical jump because every time Elisha asked God to do something, he did it. So Elisha could have been the hero right then. He could have wiped out the entire army with one word. He could have gained a momentary victory with one word. But instead, because he could see, he recognized that there was another choice to be made. And I want you to go back, and I want you to look what he does. Instead of settling for temporary victory, he makes a decision to do something different and it results in a permanent solution. We, I love this account, but how many of us have read this account and we always just get to the part where there's armies all around those armies and we quit reading? Because if you keep reading, the last statement may be the most important statement because of what he, the decision he makes and the way he handles it because he can see now Elisha gains a permanent victory. It says that the armies never invade Israel again, ever. And I want you to understand that it is absolutely essential for us to be able to see into the spiritual realm because too many of us are settling for momentary pauses and attacks. And too many of us are settling for week-long victories. And too many of us are, are, are settling for month-long truces. And some of us are settling for, for, for uh, a few good days and a, and a few good weeks and a few good months. And we settle for some good feelings for a couple weeks. And we settle for love for just a few good months. But we never stop to see that there are other choices that we could make that could lead us into permanent, long-lasting victory. And so we settle for momentary solutions. I'm asking you to open your eyes again and quit making your decisions based on what feels good right now and what gives you peace right now. I'm asking you to open your eyes again to the spiritual happenings around you and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and show you the plan that if you would make the right choices, even though that choice may lead to uncomfortable situations right now and the circumstances may not change as fast as we would like them, if we would see back here and recognize that if I make the choice right now to do this, 
because God told me to do it. Even though it may not result in an immediate victory, the end result is a permanent victory, and I won't have to go back again. If you don't believe that, let me just, I, I'm just, I, I know y'all get nervous when I talk about money, so I'm only going to talk about it in a minute. How many of us lay cards down because it makes us feel good right now, but six months from down here, we're going, oh my Lord, how did I get in this situation? Because you made a dumb decision six months earlier. But if we could see the plan that we don't have to have what we think we have to have right now, I don't need a new phone because my phone actually makes phone calls right now. I don't need to upgrade just because they told me I needed to. I'm, all my battery's going down too fast. It still lasts like seven hours. You actually need 12 hours of phone life. You don't have a charging cord somewhere. Why not spend the $9 and get a charging cord instead of spending the $1,900 for a new phone? Perm we make temporary choices when we could have permanent victory. I want you to quit making permanent decisions about temporary solutions. I'm going to say that again. I need us to quit making permanent decisions about temporary situations. Open your eyes and see. Oh, I want to move on, but I hear the Holy Spirit tell me to talk about relationships for a moment. Because some of us make, oh, we make temporary decisions because we're lonely. And it gets us in trouble. And nine months later, I better go to 10 months because nine months is kind of, 10 months later, we wake up and we got more than we bargained for and we find ourselves in pain and we're having to do it all over again. How many of you know if you flunk, you got to repeat? So if you make the right choices and pass right here, then when you get back over here, you don't have to repeat that grade anymore. Permanent solutions. Third and final, I want to tell you this morning that when you can see Back up should turn into a step up. I'm going to explain, but I want to say it again. When you can see, back up should lead us to a step up. Let me see if I can explain. The servant couldn't see, so he was what? He was ready to surrender, right? But because Elisha could see, because he could see, he recognized they had back up. So when he saw that they had backup, he stepped up, right? So lack of recognition of backup causes us to step back. But when we can see, it leads to a step up. So I just, I just stopped by Passion Church 3301 North Council in March to remind you, once again, you got backup. Uh, okay, so I already told you last week that God is fighting for us. So that should cause us to step up, right? I, I read Psalm 91. I'm not going to read it to you again, all the ways that he would protect us. I'm not going to read that one. We've got backup. I read to you out of Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that says, If God is for you, then who can be against you? We got backup. So I just want to remind you that. So I'm going to add some more sight for you today, all right? I need you to get some more sight today. I'm just going to give you some information that's going to give you some more sight so that you will recognize that you have backup, that God is for you, so that you will begin to step up and take on and face the challenges that God is allowing to come your way so that he can so show himself strong. Are you ready? Can I help you see? Yes. 
Let me help you see. All right, Exodus 14, 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 22. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. Psalm chapter 34, verse 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Psalm chapter 44, verse 5. Though you, uh, through you we shall push back our adversaries. Through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. For fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall succeed, and you shall confute or confuse every tongue that rises up against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask him for. So my question is, if that is true, then why are we backing up? That's right. Listen, step up. Trust again. Risk again. Take a chance again. Operate in strength and authority. Listen, I want to say the passage of scripture. Go in the strength that you already have. Oh, y'all too quiet because, see, I, I, see this is, I think this is where we miss it. I, I, I preached the whole message to get to one statement. Here it is. Too many of us are sitting around waiting on intervention when what we really need is inspiration. And I just came to tell you this morning that you don't have to sit around waiting on an intervention. I came to give you some inspiration to help you to recognize that God is for you. He is not against you. That he, he, all those passages of Scripture are promises that we can bank on, that we can risk on, that we can bet our life against, that God is going to come through. The fact that I can see that he's got all my enemies surrounded and all my adversaries will be crushed and all the tongue that rises up against me, all will be silent, no weapon, all those passages, all that does is it just helps me to see and so I should step up, so when he says go, I go, and when he says conquer, I go, well yeah why wouldn't I conquer I got backup when he says give, I go I don't go, well look at my bank account God, I go I got backup. When he says, go speak to someone, well, I'm too timid. No, I've got backup. When I get there, God will open my mouth, and he will help me to say what I need to say. When God says, make a change that I really don't want to make because I've been in sin, but now I, 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 I hear God saying, stop doing this, but I don't want to. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It, it's, it's out of my comfort zone. I don't know where I'm going to go. I, I, I look around and go, wait a minute. This is not a, this is not a hard choice because I got backup. And some of y'all waiting around for 
for God to intervene. And I just stopped by to tell you, quit waiting on God to intervene. Let the inspiration of the fact that he's already intervened. He's already sent his forces. I don't know if you've got it yet. Some of us would respond entirely different if we would open our eyes and see that we aren't alone. I keep watching some of y'all back up, back up, back up. Why? I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded. But yeah, open your stinking eyes. You got back up. And until we are able to see in the unseen, we will keep running from things that God has already given us the ability to conquer. No weapon form. Okay, come on. Do I need to do word studies? I, I know we're in the Old Testament, so it's Hebrew, not Greek. But in the New Testament, Greek, the Greek word for no means? Okay, just wanted to check it. It's not profound. Then it must, in Hebrew, it must, no weapon. Because we want to, we want to put, we want to add. Don't you? I do. No weapon but loneliness. No weapon but cancer. No weapon but my debt. No weapon but the issue that I'm facing because my issue's got to be worse than your issue. No, 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 no. Quit adding. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I feel like Fred Hammond. No, some of y'all don't even know. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Come on, say what? We got to get this because if we understand there's backup, then we would step up. Well, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't know what you're facing, but I know who's facing it with you. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on, somebody. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. What weapon has been formed against you? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Why don't we do this? I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no weapon. In your own mind, I want you to name the weapon that you feel like has been formed against you. In your, I'm not asking you to say it out loud. I'm simply asking for you to name the weapon that you feel like has been formed against fear, financial loss, Lack of employment, broken relationship, disease, confusion, depression, stupid kids, <laughs> crazy family members, hateful co-workers. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what the weapon is, but you do. So as I say this, I'm going to say no weapon. I want you to think in your own mind of the weapon that you know has been formed against you. Okay, that, that, we're going to stop there and then I'm going to come back. All right, here we go, on the count of three, no weapon. And in your own mind, name it. One, two, three. No weapon. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.
Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Good morning, everybody. I'm doing okay today? Yes. It's such an honor for me to be here in this room with you today. I said in first service that uh, I'm usually here, but I'm in the back with all the cool kids. Uh, no offense. Uh, but it really is an honor to get to be in a room with adults, with my brothers and sisters who are a little bit closer to my age. Um, but I do want to say to the parents in the room, thank you so much for entrusting uh, your children to us and allowing for us to pour into them all that we've been given. It really is an honor. I speak on behalf of the entire kids' ministry team that uh, we're just thankful that you let us have a part in their lives. And in case you didn't know it, we've got some future world changers down that hallway. You can just walk into the nursery and know (laughs) that there's some little ones in this room that God is raising up already. Um, And so... If you want to see that for yourself because you don't believe us, then please feel free to come and talk to me or Jess Ham or Sherry Avance, Rachel Schwartz, Alexis Hammond. Yes, I am shamelessly putting in a plug because we would love for you to be able to see it firsthand and get you a part of, have you join our volunteer team. So um, I also just want to take a second and honor our pastors, even though they're not here with us today, Pastor Steve and Pastor Julie. Um, are uh, incredible leaders that I'm thankful for, and I hope you are as well, uh, because they're wholehearted worshipers and completely committed and fully devoted to serving God and serving his people. Um, And so they not only lead us by their words, but they lead us with their lives. They lead us by example. So I'm thankful that they allow my husband Seth and I to serve alongside them, but also gave me this chance to talk with you this morning. Um, So I just have to ask, did anybody here come expecting to hear from God today? Anybody need a word from the Lord? I sure hope so. Um, But regardless of why you're here, if you came because maybe someone invited you or you felt obligated to be here today, I just have to make sure that you're aware that you're not here by accident. You are here, we're all here, because Jesus loves us. He cares about you. He cares about your present circumstances, but also your future ones. So even if you didn't come expecting, you can go ahead and start expecting now that God is going to begin moving in your life in different ways and, and it's speaking to your heart even today. Um, and so I'm excited. I'm ready. Uh, but for those of us who haven't been able to be here the last couple of weeks or maybe you're new here to Passion, let me just welcome you first of all. But also, I, I want to catch us up because the things that Pastor Steve has been talking to us about in this month's series called 3D has been really good stuff. Has it helped anybody out so far? Um, but it's also been important stuff, things that we need to hear. So the first Sunday 
of this month, Pastor Steve pointed out that the phrase out of sight, out of mind is more than just a state of forgetfulness. It can actually be a, a dangerous spiritual condition because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, there really is another dimension called the spiritual realm and it's real. We saw from the story of Elisha and his servant in Second Kings chapter 6 uh, that if what we see in the natural becomes what has our soul focus or has all of our attention, then we actually uh, can, can become surrounded. We feel surrounded and then we all of a sudden want to throw in the towel and surrender. Maybe that, that feeling of surrounded is you're surrounded by pain, surrounded by chaos or confusion or you've experienced great loss. And the moment that you feel surrounded, if you're not able to see past all of that, then it's easy for us to just surrender to it. But that's not God's will for us. His desire is for us to be victorious and to walk and live in victory. Um, And then also, if we're able to see, we will also be able to remain in in the physical place that he wants us to be. Can you say the word remain with me? Remain. He doesn't just want us to remain um, in maybe the job he has you in and the marriage he has you in and the ministry position he has you in. He also wants for us to remain in a healthy emotional state. Like he wants us to be able to remain at peace. He wants us to be able to remain calm and, and at ease and without fear. And so just as God opened the eyes of Elisha's servant and enabled him to see that the army of angels that surrounded them was much bigger than the enemy army that also surrounded them, God wants to open our eyes as well to be able to see that he is intervening on our behalf. He is interceding for us. So if you want to be able to see, all you have to do is ask him, God, open my eyes. You could say it right now if you want. God, help us see this morning. Help us to see how you're fighting for us. And then last Sunday we were taught that when we're able to see the supernatural, we're also able to recognize and remember that God really does have a plan. He has a plan, so there's no need to panic. I love that. And Pastor Steve reminded us, he used the story of the disciples when they were in the boat with Jesus in the middle of a storm, and what did they do? They freaked out. Because they forgot. How often do we freak out? Because we forget so easily what God has already been saying to us. But Jesus means what he says. So when he said, let's cross over to the other side of the lake, he meant we're going across to the other side of the lake. It doesn't matter how crazy the storm gets. It doesn't matter what opposition comes against you. I'm with you, and I'm able to fight against anything and win. So when Jesus says to us, we're going to go across to the other side, whether that be a certain circumstance or situation that you're walking through or a season that you're in, that means that we are going to make it to the other side so no matter it doesn't there's no person there's no storm and there is no demon that can stop us when jesus is in our boat and so i think it's time for us to learn and i'm preaching to myself because i will be the first to admit that i freak out so unnecessarily and i'm super thankful praise god for giving me seth nix because he snaps me back into reality but with calmness he is so nice anyways i'm sensitive so um if if we want it's time for us to learn how to lay down next to Jesus and take a nap during the storm rather than waste a whole lot of energy freaking out about it unnecessarily. We have to remember that he has a plan so we don't have to panic. Amen? Yes, love that.
So then Pastor Steve also told us that when we're able to see, we will no longer settle for temporary solutions, but we will actually press on towards permanent victory. Yes, I said the V word. That is God's will for us to have victory. It's his will for us to no longer live like victims, but to live more like victors. And I believe that I'm here this morning to remind us that that's not just a pretty idea and it doesn't just sound good coming out through my mouth. It is reality. It is God's will for us because Jesus came and he won it and he's giving it to us. So do you want that this morning? Maybe... You are already walking in victory, but you know somebody that's close to you who's not. And so if you want that for your kids, for your family, we can claim it in Jesus' name. And this morning, if you want to, you can go with me. We're going to be reading from Joshua chapter 5, or it will be on the screens. I get cotton mouth when there's a microphone in front of me. Do you have to forgive me for taking water? Joshua chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and he asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So here we see that this guy named Joshua, he had what we would call a real encounter with the 3D world because he came face to face with the Lord of Heaven's armies. Now, some theologians say that this was merely an angel, but I'm on the side with the other theologians who agree that this was actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. In other words, the Son of God in all his glory. And if you want to talk about it later, I'd be happy to give you my reasons, but that's besides the point. So here we have Joshua encountering God, okay, which... I just have to say wow to that. What a day it was for him. But I also think that might have been a little scary um, because, yeah. Anyways, besides the point. So in this encounter that Joshua has with him, there are a few things that we need to learn from and apply to our lives as we continue to approach our God daily, but also as we continue to grow in our awareness of the spiritual realm that we are reacting, that we are interacting with every single day. And the first thing I want to point out to us is that when Joshua approached the Lord of Heaven's armies, he asked a question. What did he ask? Whose side are you on? Are you for us or against us? In other words, Joshua went into defense mode and he's like, bro, you for us? But what I love is that our Jesus is like a boss. He doesn't have to bow down. Oh, I'm about to get off track. But he doesn't have to bow down to what we think, right? Just because we think a certain way, he doesn't have to agree with us because Jesus' response back to him is like, neither. (laughs) It's so cool. And it just kind of just struck me when I read that. And then he began to reveal to me that we as humans, but also as believers, if we're not careful, we have the tendency to slip into a victim mentality or even get into defense mode like Joshua did to the point that we will approach God and step into his presence automatically assuming that Jesus is on my side, that Jesus is on our side. But I think we need to be reminded this 
this morning of who he is because yes he's the good shepherd yes he's gentle he's kind his his love is unconditional but he is also the righteous and just judge he is the commander of the lord of heaven's armies all authority in heaven and on earth has been placed in his hands and y'all he's in charge so it's not our side that he needs to get on it's his side that we need to get on Amen? And if we do, we will find ourselves walking out in the victory that he has for us. So we need to ask ourselves this question, whose side am I on? Am I on my side or am I on his? Because it's easy. It's easy to slip over. So here's a few questions to help us figure this out. Are you always fighting for your own rights? Thinking that you're entitled to that job? Thinking you're entitled to the respect of that individual? And are you doing whatever you got to do to get what you want? Ouch. Or do you have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, willing to sacrifice your own desires to meet the needs of others? That's found, that can be found in Philippians chapter 2 if you want to go and read that on your own. It's a beautiful description of how Jesus was when he was on this earth and therefore how we are also to be. Here's another one. Are you refusing to let go of the offenses that you've been carrying around for years because you feel like it's your, you're entitled to that pain? It's mine. It's mine. I get to be mad. I get to be angry. Or have you chosen to trust God with your pain and forgive as he has forgiven you? That's found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. And lastly, are you living how you want to live and doing whatever feels good? Or are you denying your flesh, taking up your cross and following him daily? It's not easy, but it's doable. In James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. This reveals to us that there's no in-between. You can't be cool with God and do what you want. There's not an in-between side. It's either his side or yours. And why do we need to get on his side? Well, it's because in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us that our battles are not against flesh and blood. That our real battles are not with people, but they're with principalities and unseen authorities. So, y'all, Satan is real. Demons are real. There is a spiritual realm. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, they are out there. And um, our real enemy has a plan for our lives. And if you go back into our elementary room and you ask them, what has Satan come to do? They will tell you, kill, steal, and destroy. But they are so right because we got to teach them at a young age that they're after you. He doesn't wait till you hit 20 years old and then all of a sudden, boom. He starts at babies. So we have to be aware of this. Um, and And... Rather than just putting us out of our misery, I heard one time that he he actually wants to keep us alive but make us so miserable that we spend every minute wishing that we were dead. Why do you think depression and anxiety are so rampant? And oppression and fear seem such like a common thing, like, like it's becoming acceptable. It's not acceptable, guys. Not to the Lord, and it shouldn't be to us, his church. And... And please hear me, I do not blame Satan and demons for everything. They do not deserve that much credit. But, because sometimes our issues are our own doing. And we could talk about that later if you want. Like, this is kind of silly, but 
Maybe your stomach hurts because you ate too much pizza, not because Satan is attacking your intestines all of a sudden. But sometimes our issues are our issues because we live in a fallen world as well. Um, But we do need to be aware that he does prowl around like a roaring lion looking for whoever he can devour. And the good news is (laughs) that he may be like a lion, but our Jesus is the lion. The word describes him as being the lion of Judah. And Revelation chapter 19 is one of my favorite passages because it reveals also that Jesus, yes, uh, he's our savior and he's our king, but he's also a little bit savage and he comes to wage a righteous war and he wears a robe that's dipped in blood and on his thighs, what I like to think as a tattoo that has many names, and he, he wears the crown. And, and so he, when he roars, foundations shake. They can't remain the same. When he roars, strongholds have to break. They don't get to stay. When he roars, walls come crumbling down. Barriers have to move. Waters get to split open so we make it to the other side. When he roars, winds are calmed. And government officials like Pharaoh have to change their minds. Come on, somebody. Rivers appear in the wasteland. Demons have to flee. Has anybody seen a demon flee? Because they're out there. And if we would take a and start to recognize them, then we could take authority in Jesus' name and they would have to go. That when he roars, the enemy army scatters and chaos is snapped back into order. Are you thankful that he is not only wants to give you the victory, but he's able to give you the victory this morning? You can thank him with me. Thank you, Jesus for what you've done for us. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you died and you rose again and you took the keys. Thank you that you want for us to walk in victory. So I ask you to help us this morning, Jesus. Help us to understand, but also not just carry this knowledge, but walk out with it. So let's get back to the story. (laughs) After God revealed himself to Joshua, the Bible says that Joshua responded How does he respond? It says he fell face down in reverence. In other words, Joshua bowed. He worshipped. He recognized this man is not a man. This is God. And he's worthy. But also, I need him. (laughs) So if we want to live in victory, we've got to first bow got to stop standing our ground, but bow down to him and submit to Christ's authority. So if you would, help me out by looking at someone sitting next to you and tell them, you've got to submit, man. You've got to submit, bro. Right, me too. So if you're taking notes this morning, you can write this down. The way to live in Christ's victory is to first submit to his authority. James chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love this because it's a promise. But usually when you notice promises in the Bible, they're also conditional. There's a command that comes before it. So what 
what James is teaching us here is that, yes, you can resist the devil and he will flee from you, but you can't resist him on your own. You don't have the strength, the might, the power, the gifts. It don't matter how gifted you are. doesn't matter how, how much people listen to you whenever you tell them what to do. You are not going to be able to do it on your own. But if you will first submit and bow down to God, then you will be able to resist the devil. This is how we'll win. And so, to those of us in this room, I believe that there are some of us here as well as in first service that are in need of a breakthrough. Maybe you need um, a breakthrough in your marriage or in your relationship with your kids or even with some people in this church, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your finances, in, in your job, maybe in your mindset and the way that you think and view people Maybe you need a breakthrough in your prayer life and your relationship with God and and your understanding of who he really is. But God wants you to know this morning that he's here. He's already walked into the room. He said where two or three are gathered together in his name there I'll be. He's here. Whether you can see it or not, he's working. Whether you can feel it or not, he's working. And he is not ignoring you. He has not forgotten you. Your prayers don't bounce off the ceiling and come back. But he is gentle and he's waiting for us to approach him like Joshua did. To bow down before him and surrender fully like we sang this morning. And say, whatever you say, I understand that that's what goes. That's how we're going to win. And so um, then after Joshua bowed, he asked a question. He said, what message does my Lord have for his servant? So he gave God the chance to talk back. It's time that we, that we bowed, but we also listened. It's time that we stopped talking for a second and we ask him a question and give him the chance to respond. Anybody else struggle with talking too much? Yes, me. I bring my list to him every day. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got some things to say if you actually want this to be a good day. Okay. Anyways, so knowing this, we can learn that the most victorious position for us to be in is on our knees. Why? Because the way that God responds to Joshua is so cool. He actually speaks in past tense. And he says, see, I have delivered, have delivered Jericho into your hands has Joshua picked up a sword no has Joshua gathered an army together and started strategizing no has he walked around those walls yet no what was he where was he on his knees worshiping that's what he was doing and Jesus said before you even get up bro the victory is already yours I've given it to you in advance Yeah, I love that about him is that Jesus doesn't expect us to fight for ourselves. He doesn't expect for us to do it on our own. What he does expect is for us to link arms with him and say, let's do this together, Jesus. You know what's best. You're all knowing. You're all powerful. So we have got to do this more often than we do. We've got to learn how to get in this position because this is the most victorious position we can be in. When we're in this position, he moves on our behalf. When we're in this position, we may not know what to pray, but we can just say his name. And he starts interceding and intervening in our families and in our homes. And so this is where we need to be. But it's not just the physical bow. Our hearts must also bow. 
Our mindset must also bow. What I think and how I view things and how I view the people that get on my nerves must also bow. My money and what I choose to do with my finances must also bow. What I choose to do with my time it must also bow. I believe that there are some areas of our lives today that God is just saying, if you will let me have my will and my way in your life, you will walk in life. You will walk in victory. And so we have got to get down on our knees. For this is how we fight our battles. And I believe also that the worship song Defender that we sing sometimes here at Passion, it's meant to belong to this body. It's not just a pretty song. It doesn't just have powerful words and powerful meaning. It's meant to be a testimony for each and every one of of us in this room. And so I just declare over us that there that there are some of us here that we are going to be able to sing this, but we're going to be able to sing it in past tense. He came back with the head of my enemy and he called it my victory. But all I did was praise. And all I did was worship. And all I did was bow down. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? He loves us so much. He's so trustworthy. God help us trust you. So another thing we need to notice is what happened after God gave Joshua this promise. After he said, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, he then gave Joshua a heavenly strategy for his present circumstances. He tells him to, to gather people together and march around the cities every day for six days and have Priests carrying trumpets in front of the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence at that time. And then on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times, and then you're going to release a loud shout, and the walls of Jericho are going to come crumbling down. You're going to go in, and you're going to take your territory. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit of a strange strategy to me. Have you ever tried walking around a building just expecting for the walls to come down? Like, Yeah, try that. See how people look at you. But we do need to recognize, though, that God is still the same God. He may give you a strategy that sounds a little bit strange, makes you look a little bit weird, yeah? But you can trust him. (laughs) So we need to to not only bow down, but at some point we've got to stand up and obey. We've got to walk it out. We've got to do what he asks us to do and not just come to church on Sundays and lift our hands and sing these songs and say, I'll follow you, Jesus. I believe in you. But then we walk out of here and we didn't, we're not obeying. That doesn't go together. The two have to happen together. There's this and then this, you know? Anywho. So when we obey him and submit to his authority, then we're able to stand in his authority. And at that point, no weapon formed against us is going to prosper. It's a promise. So would you help me out once again? Look at the person sitting next to you and tell them we've got to stand. Tell them you better stand. So the way... To live in Christ's victory is to also stand in his authority. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your 
stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Lisa Bevere points out something that I agree with, because I've been here before, that we as Christians have a tendency to cower or to want to hide whenever spiritual warfare starts getting talked about. We hear somebody talking about how they saw something in their house, and we're like, ooh, that ain't for me. I'm not talking about that. We ain't doing that. You know, because we think that if, all the, if we all of a sudden start paying attention to the spiritual realm, that somehow it's going to get darker. Or we think, if I ignore them, they'll ignore me. Well, that is a lie. Because they are already operating at full force. But whenever we choose to take our ground and stand in his authority and speak forth his word, then you don't have to be afraid of what you can't see because you were made for the good fight and you will actually become stronger. We will. He's not going to leave you to fight by yourself. So what kind of strategy would God give to us? Usually it's similar to the strategy that he gave to Joshua. And that involves releasing a sound. But not just a shout. Wah! You know. But sometimes it is, though, actually. Sometimes God says, why don't you just shout for a minute? You know? People around you may think you're a little bit cuckoo, but they don't know what you've been through, and they don't know what I'm about to take you into. So if you want to win, then you need to obey, right? Okay, that was outside of that. So bringing it back. But, verse 17 of this chapter, Paul says to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God has given us a weapon. He doesn't want us to just fight. He wants us to win. So if we want to win, we've got to know what this says. And then we've also got to say it out loud. Some of us are good at reading this, but we're too afraid to speak it out. Some of us like to talk a lot, but we don't even know what this says. But if we will do both, if we will read this, study this, meditate on this, and then we will begin to let Jesus roar out of us, because if Jesus has taken residence in your heart and he's a lion, then that means you have the ability to open your mouth and let his word come out of you so that the strongholds over your home have to break, so that the the kids in your life that you're tired of seeing go through this constant cycle have to be brought out of it if you want to see victory in your household you've got to stand in his authority and speak forth his word it's time that we release the sound that god has given to us and speak his word sing his word and pray his word it's time we took some responsibility and we didn't just do it in here but we went back to our houses we went back to our offices and we just started anointing doorways if we got to do that and we just start laying hands on all our children and we say i declare that this house belongs to jesus and i will not let any evil spirit dwell or remain here nothing like that has a place we have that authority Isn't that cool? Yes, it is. I agree with me. Okay. But also, I thought it was really sweet, so I I just have to say it. I found out that one of our little kids named RJ, 
uh, every night before he goes to sleep, he asks God to kick the devil out of his dreams. And I'm like, come on, RJ. Um, Because some of us need to do that. We need to take authority of our sleep. It's God's will for you to sleep well. So anyone in this room that's struggling with nightmares or is being tormented in the night, I say no more in Jesus' name. You will sleep well. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.